You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner. got back this morning, I mean like 2 a.m. this morning from a youth conference in Atlanta, Georgia with what I'm going to tell you boldly with 100% confidence with the best teens the world ever. They are, they are my life. So we went to this conference and let me just tell you, when you read in scripture, about God showing up when there's a huge battle and doing things that blow your mind. Things like when you hear about Daniel in the lion's den and he shuts the mouth of the lion or things like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego going into the fire and not being burned. And you realize there's a huge war to be won and God shows up in a huge way. And then we sing a song like, there's no, tell me Sean, what is it? There's no Mount Valley, tell me what song we just sing. Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. I watched in the same way that God shut the mouth of the lion and saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I watched him come after this generation, knowing the war that is ahead of them in the most miraculous way over the last few days. And let me tell you, he is so worthy. He, God Almighty is so worthy. And... That was actually kind of the theme song that we sang at the Ford Conference over and over again was worthy. And so what we wanted to do was we're recapping the conference with you guys this weekend. And so what we wanted to do was we just wanted to worship through that song worthy with you guys. And I want you to know the war that was won this weekend with our teens, because I think when our eyes are open to that, then we worship completely different. So can we worship through their theme song with them worthy? Let's do that. Good morning again. My name is Megan and I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. I wanted to update you guys really quick. Last week, Dave talked a little bit about asking you guys for some prayer for himself and for me and my husband, Luke. I will be happy to report that the prayers are working, that Dave was struggling with some migraines. And since that Sunday, he's actually had zero migraines. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on getting some doctor's appointments for me, for some cysts that I've been having. And Luke actually ended up having some pretty severely herniated discs in his spine and the back of his neck. So he had surgery last week. So he's joining us with so many of you guys online. So welcome to you, baby, and to everybody else that's online. He is, um, he's home with a neck brace for the next few weeks. And so the pain from post-surgery is actually much more tolerable than where he was the three weeks before. So we are on the road to recovery. So thank you guys for praying and believing and just being such a fabulous covering of a congregation. So, um, I, I was telling nine o'clock service that I feel like the task before me is like as if I were standing at the bottom of the biggest mountain you've ever seen and I, I have to climb it right now because I'm, I'm gonna try to recap for you guys what happened in this, this crew's life over the last three days. And it's so huge and so big, it, it's like trying to eat an elephant. And it's just, but I'm gonna give it my best shot. Um, and I'm gonna do this because I did it at nine o'clock and I feel like when you give somebody words, they mean a lot, but when you do it in front of everybody else, it 
sometimes it means a lot more. So I did this at nine, but I want everybody in here to hear me say this. And I'm struggling to keep it together this service because the connection that we've made, I'm, I'm not ready for them to go home. So I'm really sad. <laughs> I'm sad that <laughs> um, I wish that I could write up like a partial custody agreement with all of you and, and keep them because I, I don't want to lose them. Um, but you guys have been such a privilege to me and for sharing who you are and your hearts and your little personalities and your hugs and all your thank yous and everything, how fearfully and wonderfully you're made. Thank you for sharing that with me because I know you guys were changed and filled up, but what you did for us and your leaders is unmatched. You'll never know. So thank you for being you. Um, this is going to be a tough one. So we headed to Atlanta, Georgia on Thursday morning uh, for Jensen Franklin, who's the pastor at Free Chapel. Can I get a tissue? I'm running everywhere. Um, Jensen Franklin's, um, who's the pastor at Free Chapel, his conference, his youth conference. And so there's something that's just fun about taking a group of teenagers and putting them in an arena with 13,000 other teenagers that are chasing after God. Because I think oftentimes the way they see society is they see the opposite. And so they feel like that's what everyone else is doing. And so to take a stand for the Lord is something that they're doing on their own. So it's fun to take them and put them in that, that scenario where they see that they're not alone. And so um, we headed out and the, the miracle started way before the trip. The morning of the miracle, I had a fellow come up to me who is, we always often talk about fuel this family and, but really that's cathedral this family. And we're the kids. I'm still going to throw myself in the kid category. And, um, and, and this, the adult, what we call big church is the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles. And you guys are what make the kids, the platform that the kids get to be the kids on. And so, um, I, we had one of the church's dads, let's just say that, he's a member of the congregation, who had already paid for a few of our kids that couldn't make it on the trip to go, came up to me the morning of the trip. Now, he doesn't have anybody going, so he showed up at the church just for this, and he handed me a manila envelope, and in the manila envelope had a bunch of these in it. Now, you know what this probably has in it, and he says, I've got some cash that I want you to take on this trip, and I want you to use this cash however you need it. If there's a kid that can't afford a t-shirt that he wants or they want something or they don't have enough money for lunch, I want you to make sure that everybody on this trip has what they need. So we get in the car and I open and the amount of these white envelopes was shocking to me. But then I opened the white envelopes and I've, I've, there's already some less it's already been gone. But there's just tons and tons and tons and tons of $5 bills in every envelope. <clears throat> and I'm like, Lord, what? I, I feel like I have got to be a good steward of this. He felt led by you. And so now I, I need you to show me what to do with the money. And I'm like, this is a lot of money. I mean, I could buy everybody Dippin' Dots, but I feel like it needs to be more profound than that. So I felt really prompted um, if you've been around for a while in, in youth, you've heard me say that one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3.3. 3, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. 
And I, I feel like if they're in a setting where everybody is kind and we remove the bullying, I mean, I feel like if, I feel like we're all unkind enough to ourselves that we don't need anybody else being unkind. If I could remove that and create a place where they're safe, then that gives God much more room to do what he wants to do. And so I said, I'm going to give out kindness cash. And every time, I, the goal was to write Proverbs 3.3 on every $5 bill, but just the time was not an option to do that. So I, I told them that. And I, y'all, the amount of kind acts, what it was, I, I, it was not for the money. And I did it, I know that you don't, you're not kind for money, but it, when you're a teenager, cash is a hot commodity and it's a little bit like their love language. And I, I felt like if I could do something that registered on the inside of them, I remember that act of kindness and I remember how it made me feel when I lifted someone up. If I could do something to highlight the moments that they experienced and make it more rememberable, then it's something that they're more apt to do in the future. So that, that was my, the driving force. And I watched this group of teenagers. I said, we're not saying one unkind word. I don't even, you don't even allow to look at somebody and say, that's weird, nothing, no sarcasm, nothing, only words of life. And I watched a group of what society would think like, when you think teenagers, they're sometimes can be rude and disrespectful and, and selfish and kind of self-absorbed. I watched them. I, I watched girls find other girls on the bus that they knew didn't know anybody. I watched the boys. I come to an elevator and I'm with two girls. And as soon as the elevator opened and it was full of guys and they saw that there were girls out there, bum rush each other to get off of the elevator so they could give the elevator to the ladies. There wasn't a single girl that held a door from themselves the entire trip. We didn't carry, the girls didn't carry one single piece of luggage. And if they did, the boys acted offended that you let, you didn't let them carry your luggage. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <clears throat> the way they treated each other would have blown your mind. So I feel like that created the culture for what God wanted to do. And so I, last night, I came home a little bit early. They drove the bus and actually didn't get here till two o'clock in the morning. Um, and now they came back at eight. So if you see moms and dads with two cups of coffee walking around, it's because they picked up their kids at 2 a.m. and then had them back here at eight. Um, but we had a video guy and sound guy and some of our music guys, we actually drove in at two. They slept on some couches and offices and then got up at six to make the service happen. So um, we got here and they're exhausted when they get home. When I say we were go, go, go. And then we went to the mall yesterday between sessions. And so for the guys, I don't, I don't know about you, but the guys in my life, the mall drains the life out of them. So you put the mall sandwiched in between two concert sessions and then you drive home five hours in the middle of the night equals exhaustion, like sheer exhaustion. Well, we get back and everybody helps. So it's hard to even highlight because I, I, I really could spend the whole service talking about each one of them. But specifically four of our guys at 2 a.m., instead of just grabbing their luggage and going to the car, stayed until every box was unloaded, every piece of trash was taken off the bus. No, 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 hold on, wait, wait. I need to hear you to hear this. Oh, hold on, back up. Before you play this video, 
this is them helping. And now Macy, my sister, is with them and they're unloading stuff. And I want you to notice, even with their hands full, watch them stop and open the door for her. Watch this. Look, can you show them that video? All right. Look, and you're still holding the door for me. Rockstar. I mean, you'll... Now, can you show the picture of all of all the, like, so th this is like three o'clock in the morning and they're just unloading and doing. So I, I just need you to hear as the moms and dads of, of the church, you have so much to be proud of. I actually ended up the kindness cash I couldn't keep up. I mean, it, it was literally, it, it, I was like, there's so many acts of kindness, it, it blew me away. So that created a, a great opportunity for the sessions and for the speakers to really do exactly what God wanted to do. The sessions were so good. I'm actually going to talk in a few weeks specifically more about one of them. But this morning, I want to highlight Jensen Franklin's message, which was Friday night message. And normally, whenever you do a message, or at least when I do a message, and I'm going to tell a story, which I love to tell stories, I think to myself, how good is this story going to be? Because depending on how good the story is going to be and how much weight it's going to carry in the message is how much time I give to the story, right? So it deserves this much real estate in the message because it's gonna have this much impact. Jensen Franklin got up there and spoke for 40 minutes, 40. He told a story about grizzly bears for 22 minutes. I've never in all my years of speaking had a story that was that good. Never had a story that was as impactful to spend that much real estate on. And he's talking about grizzly bears. And I'm thinking, surely from a, a speaker's perspective, what is he going to do with the, where are we going? Like, and, and, and it was very detailed. So I'm going to share some grizzly bear story with you. I am not going to spend 22 minutes on it. But I wanted you to know that so you could understand that in the moment, the dramatic build that this moment had. He starts telling us about grizzly bears and how this guy studies grizzly bears for decades. He had studied them on a specific island that was known to have some of the largest grizzly bears in the world. And so he studied them for decades and he watched their patterns and the way they behaved and the way they did. And, and he came to the conclusion after watching these grizzly bears that most grizzly bears, now this study is also supported by studies all over the world. Most grizzly bears don't want to have anything to do with you. And if they run upon you in the wilderness, they're going to run and get away. You make noise, they're scared, they're going to flee. Most of them. There is something called, you can Google it, not now, but Google it later. There is what they call the 25th grizzly bear. And they say that the stats are one out of every 25 grizzly bears will not run away from you. That instead, that they are very violent. They like to attack not just for eating purposes, but just because they are, they are aggressive. They're that aggressive. And this guy that had studied grizzly bears on this island, they had one of these bears on the island that had killed two people. And so the park rangers decided this grizzly bear has got to go because he's unsafe. Anybody out, he's going to go after them. So the park ranger takes one of his um, trainees and they go out to kill the grizzly bear. They get all set up and they can feel this grizzly bear's presence. And so he talks, Jensen Franklin really unpacks that moment. The eeriness the sounds, knowing something's watching you, you can feel it. 
getting glimpses of something moving in the woods, and the story's getting scarier and scarier, and I'm thinking about my seventh graders, and I'm like, whoo. And then he goes on to say that the grizzly bear reveals himself. The park ranger shoots him straight through the heart, but he doesn't die, and instead the park ranger ends up being mauled to death by the very grizzly bear, the very thing that he had studied for decades and decades. I'm like, wow, where, what are you doing with the grizzly bear story? Because um, I am in a hole right now about the park ranger. Um, the trainee ends up coming back a year later and killing this very same bear that had killed the one that was, that was trying to kill him the first time. So I'm like, that's enough grizzly bear. And he goes on to start sharing about a Netflix documentary that he just watched about a guy that does these elaborate hikes in Alaska. And he's gone on, I mean, like dozens and dozens and dozens a year. And the guy sets up when he gets in the woods an electric fence around himself. He hangs the food. He just goes out of his way to make sure that he's safe. And he's documented all of these animals and the hikes and what it's like. And he has come to the conclusion that bears are not what we think they are. They're indeed like teddy bears. And so he sets out on this documentary to show you how kind and wonderful they are. He actually even takes his girlfriend with him on this hiking trip. And they go and they're videoing it and they're setting up the tent. And you see all of and they're happy and this time they don't do the fences and they don't hang the food and they don't do everything because they don't want to have anything to do with you they're scared and the documentary ends with the audio tape of a grizzly bear destroying this guy and his girlfriend and I'm like what am I going to do with all these seventh grade girls that are going to have nightmares tonight about grizzly bears right and it's at this moment that it shifts And he looks at a room of 13,000 teenagers and he says this. The 25th grizzly bear is just like sin. And you can play with it and you can mess around with it. And you can think it doesn't get you and it doesn't. And it's safe and you get comfortable with it. But you never know when the alcohol or the drug or the party or the wrong friend is going to be the 25th grizzly bear that destroys everything God has for you. That's the kind of story you give 22 minutes to in a message. What I loved about it was that I feel like this generation, they've tried so hard to remove truth and they've tried so hard to remove right and wrong. What it did in that moment was put it right in front of them that This is not God's intention for you. The enemy has a plan to steal, kill, and destroy. And part of the deception is us getting comfortable with the idea that that can't happen to us. And so there's a way that we get comfortable with that. There's a way that the park ranger, you get comfortable to that this is okay. I can handle this level. Jansen Franklin even went on to share and to get very personal and vulnerable with the teens and say, For him as a pastor, his grizzly bear, he knows is alcohol. And he said, I I enjoy it. And I know there are a lot of people that can do it and it doesn't. He said, but for me, it is my 25th grizzly bear. And I've come to the realization that if I mess with that, then I will give up everything that God has for my calling, including my family. And so for me, I don't go near that. And so I challenge you, this generation, to not go near things that there's a possibility that one day could turn on you just like that. 
I don't know if you guys have recently seen, there's a TikTok series, and it's six TikToks. And it is a mama moose, and she goes to the water with her two baby cub mooses. And a family is staying at a vacation rental house, and they're seeing this, and they see this grizzly bear come out from the woods up above. And for six days, they document the grizzly bear keeps coming out, And every day, he gets a little bit closer and a little bit closer, but he's super nonchalant about it. One day, he even comes out and he lays by the water, wide out in the open, and he takes a nap for hours and hours and hours. Well, what happened was the mom of the moose cubs let her guard down, and she got comfortable. And it's been okay, and it's not been a problem. And then one day, on full-on video on TikTok, the bear demolishes the two baby moose cubs. Now, I don't know about you, but as an adult, I'm not willing to let my guard down on this next generation to let the grizzly bear of the enemy demolish these babies. And so I, I, yeah, it, Then he goes on to say there are three things that you can do if there is a bear in your presence. And the first thing that you do is you group up. Because you standing all by yourself facing this, you look awfully vulnerable and weak in the eyes of a grizzly bear. So I'm looking as he's sharing this message and I'm looking at them and I'm like, look at the group. They're not alone. We we have grouped up. You're not alone in this stance and the fight for your life. You are in a group. Second thing he said was you get loud, you make noise. Like he said, you say, go away, bear, (laughs) go away, bear. No, I can't imagine, I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a hiker. Um, But let me just tell you, if I ever do, I I don't, the odds of one in 25, I don't know that I'm going to depend on like a go away, bear, go away, bear. Um, But you make noise and you get loud. And now I'm standing there and I'm watching them worship. And I'm like, they're making a noise, a noise that is so loud that the enemy, you know, the Bible says that when you speak the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. And I'm watching them get loud and holler the name of Jesus. And I'm like, he has to flee from what plan he has for their life. So they're grouped up and they're making a loud, and it's not just a loud noise, it's a joyful noise. And then the third thing that he said was, you gotta get on higher ground. You gotta get high if you climb a tree. Unlike the black bear, the grizzly bear is so heavy that they can't climb the tree. And so now you've got to allow God to bring you up higher so that the enemy can't, that can't happen to you. And so then I'm like, God, you're taking us on this trip these three days. You have taken every one of us and elevated us so far above where we are. This is it. This was your plan to remove this generation from the path of the 25th grizzly bear. This was your plan. And so... We go back that night, we go back that night to the hotel and we have a meeting room where we all gather and we're eating dinner and we're hanging out all in the room and they're sharing, they begin, I'm like, share with me what happened to you. What, what has this trip been like for you? You, I don't want them just to take my word on this. For y'all, was that one of the most special memories you've ever had that time we had in that room? they started standing up and sharing things like we'd have, now I've got seventh grade kids. I mean, they've gone out of sixth grade and they're going into seventh grade, they're babies. I didn't realize how much of a baby they were until I brought my own. And I'm like, she's little. With graduated seniors, 
And I watch the seventh graders and the eighth graders and the young ones stand up and they say things like, I've always struggled with my body image. This is making a lot of noise. Always struggled with my body image. I don't like who I am. I struggle with self-harm. My home life is, is a wreck. I'm abused. And I watched tears and the struggle for them to share. And then I watched my older kids, my other kids, start to cheer for them. And they're like, you've got it. Keep going. Keep sharing. And the room and the kindness and the truth. And I watched the grip and the pursuit of the grizzly bear come down. And I watched the complacency of becoming unaware of what the enemy is doing, I watch it go away. And it's almost like I could see in my mind the grizzly bear that had been stalking, that we had gotten comfortable with, just go. And it was like, with them protecting each other, it's not going to happen on their watch to each other. And then I have one stand up and he says, I, I actually attempted suicide this past year. And I watch other teens get up and these, these strong teenage boys embracing and holding each other and them sharing that it's okay and this is safe and this is family and we've got you and, and not with each other. It's not going to happen to you anymore because now we are a group and we are a loud group that God's taken us higher to new places. And I want to, I want to, show a video to you guys and I, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the trip before I showed the video because I want you to watch their faces now that you've heard the experience and you've heard the stories when you watch this video I want you to be able to celebrate as the moms and dads and the, the parents and grandparents of cathedral what's happened in our young people and I want you to watch specifically watch these kids worship I had one group of girls, my youngest group of girls, and I was chatting with one of them, and she said this. We shared in our room what it was like to worship. And she said, I've gone to worship, and I've heard worship my whole life, and I've always liked it because I like music, so I like it. But until this trip, I never understood what really worship meant. And I've heard about it, and I've heard why we do it. But what I heard on this trip made it all totally different because... I realized that there's nothing I have to give God that he needs. He doesn't need anything that I have. He has everything. He is God. The only thing that I have to give him and what I have to give him brings him all the joy there is, is my worship. And she said, I realize he's done so much for me that when I give him my worship, it makes him happy. And she said, so now I worship completely different because I realize it's all I have to give. So I want you to watch the video, and I just want you to celebrate what God's done with them. So enjoy.
absolutely amazing. We actually got to hear from two speakers today, and worship is by far my favorite part of any sort of conference of any type. My Savior bled for me. My Jesus sent me. I'm so excited to see how God moves in these teens' lives. Keep it going. We still got a little bit more, so. I really loved today the message that um, Pastor Ben had. It was really good. Um, I loved how he was talking about anchors, um, how we have to have our anchors in God instead of stuff like culture today. And I also really loved worship. Um, it's, there's just something different about worshiping in a room of thousands of other people who love Jesus. The message really, really special. I felt great. I really felt Jesus Christ in that building. mentioned a lot of stuff that like really hit deep with me that like nobody else I've ever heard is like mentioned before so I thought it was really awesome and I love the worship I love the worship the lead girl worshiper her vocals so good they're so good get to leave. I know you're tired. I want to do that. I want to do one more thing before we walk out the doors. I just want us to worship one more time with these guys. I want us to praise God for what he's done. Um, I, I told last service, and I'll say this, the gratitude is the song we're going to sing, and I have so much gratitude because here's the truth. There is a 25th bear, and it is 
it is Satan. And he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you can look in your mind and you have the vision of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And he's beaten and he's battered. He's torn and the crown and the blood running down. And I don't think I'll ever look at an image of that ever again without thinking about this. He took the beating from the 25th bear so that you and I don't have to. That's why, <clears throat> that's why we can go to a higher ground is because he did. And so can we just worship with them and around them? And can we just as a room, just give God all the gratitude for what he's done for the lion inside of these guys that I believe will change the course of the world in years and years to come, amen? God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Lord, we are so grateful for who you are. Lord, we are so grateful that the struggle does not have to be ours and the shame does not have to be ours and the addiction is not ours to carry, but it's yours and you carried it to the cross and you overcame it. And so right now in Jesus' name, I give you all the gratitude for the lion that will rise up inside of who we are. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. I wanna leave you guys with one thing um, as these guys, as I'm gonna let them stay standing. I'm gonna let you go ahead and take a seat for one thing. I, I wanna leave you with this one thing. We have one of our, leader, our male leaders step up and he just said to these guys, he said, I just wanna tell you that as a man, I didn't have an example of a godly father. And so I decided that I was gonna be the man that I was supposed to be. And so he said, I poured myself into business and I poured myself into work and I was gonna be everything I could. And he said, and two years ago, God radically got into my life in a new way. And he said, and I, I got more involved and I started seeing men and what I saw was real success wasn't that, but it was a godly man that loves their family and a godly man that treats their wife a certain way and a godly man that loves on his children. And he said, and God's given me a new lease in life and we've done a lot to take care of these girls this trip. He said, but what I wanna do is for you guys, I want, to, I want the, us to gather in a huddle and I want the girls to, to gather around and I want us to become godly men of this next generation. And Dave got up at that moment to pray over those guys. And I just asked Dave if he would please come and share that moment with you guys um, as, our, as our walkout point, because I think it's something that you all need to experience. Dave, tell them, we shared my verse with everybody. The they prophet, knew your verse. They knew your, my verse. And so Dave challenged them. He said, do y'all know what my verse is? They know it now. They know it. They know it now. And they won't ever forget it. But here, here's, I just want to point out what I saw happen on this trip because it was so special. And when, it, when I say this, I 100% mean it. I know there's some parents out in the room and your kids are sitting up here. This is a special group of teens. This is a culture that teens are running away from God, running away from a foundation of biblical morals and principles. But right here in Charleston, South Carolina, I want you to know there's over 100 teens sitting right here before you that is so on fire, so ready for God, so ready to face the challenges. That excites the fire out of me. But here's what happened, because I witnessed a promise in Scripture come alive before my very eyes. One of my favorite Scriptures is James 4, 8, and this is what it simply says. It says, draw close to God. God gives us a promise that he'll draw close to us. It's exactly what happened to these teens. You know what I didn't see happening? I didn't see all their problems plaguing them like they always do. How big were y'all problems on, on this trip? They got real small, didn't they? 
what I saw increase in them was the character of God. Relationships became the most important. Kindness became the most important. When I saw a teen come up and be so brave to tell their story that they wanted to end their life and actually tried to do so, but then to see these teens stand up and said, not on my watch because God says this about you. And they rallied around that individual to show them who God is and what God means to them. What? Let's go. This was a defining moment for these teens. And here's what I even know what happened this morning. Is as Meg gave that message of of the 25th bear, every single one of us have that in our life. And we're real good at flirting with it. Oh, surely not this time. This time it's going to be the 13th one. I'll just flirt with it. It's not going to mess me up. Nobody's going to know about it, right? Oh, now this time it's the 24th. I got real close, but it's not. The enemy's sneaky. And he knows exactly when to send the 25th bear in your life. And before, you you got a group of teens right now that I want you to know, and and I'm going to pray over you guys in a little bit. But not only are they aware of the tricks of the enemy and how, how big that 25th bear can be in your life, but now they know who's bigger than that bear and can squash that bear like it's a daggone ant. Amen? But I felt led to do this because I feel like there might be some people in this room who you've been flirting with that 25th bear for too long. And you don't feel like you're strong enough to fight that demon anymore, to fight that sin in your life, because you don't have the tool in your life to fight that bear. And so what I want to simply do is I'm going to ask every head to bow and every eye to close. If that's you here this morning and you say, I want Jesus in my life. I'm tired of fighting this on my own. I see the power of what it did in these teens' life. I see the life that's on them. The life that they have is the life that Jesus puts inside of us because the only thing that changes us is when we get into the presence of God. You see, he never says in scriptures that we're never gonna have problems. But what he does say is, I'm gonna be the anchor in your life that there's not a storm that's gonna come in this life that is ever gonna make you drift away because I'm the anchor that will keep you solid in the middle of your biggest storm. That's what the presence of God does. So if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Dave, I I need Jesus. If that's you here this morning, would you simply just raise your hand? I see the hands. Everybody online, if that's you online, if you're joining us, raise your hand. There's an emoji, there's something. I see hands going up. Congratulations. Because what I want you to know is that bear just lost its strength. That bear doesn't have the strongness in your life anymore. Is it still there? Yeah. But now it's trembling because the it can't survive in the presence of God. So I want to pray over you and we're going to receive Christ right now. And I want you to repeat these words after me. Everybody in this church and online, I want you to repeat these words. Lord Jesus, Jesus, I love you. you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for for understanding my challenges. challenges. I know that you're stronger than my hardest challenge. challenge. But Father, I need you. you. Will you take my challenge? 
I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you went down to hell. And I believe that you defeated sin. Just like you're defeating sin in my life. And I believe that you rose again. Father, would you be the Savior of my life? In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for God right quick. Greatest decision of your life. I got one more prayer for you. And, and team, if you have that verse, I, I want to put up a verse out of Psalms 126. Because here's what I, or Psalms 127, I apologize. Listen to these words. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Teens, would you turn around? I want you to look at the congregation. I want you to look inside of that camera right there of every person that's joining us online. I want you to look up into the balcony. Church, what you see here, yeah, sure, it looks like teens. But what you see here are arrows getting ready to be shot out into a culture that so desperately needs Jesus. These teens are bold. They're on fire. They have so much momentum, dreams, and visions of what God's going to do in their life. They understand that they have so much more power than the enemy ever thought about having in their life. That's what you see before you. But can I tell you something else? They also understand a principle in Scripture that God's just not a God that fills us up. Teens, are you full? Are y'all filled up with God's presence from this past weekend? Come on, let them know like you heard them. <laughs> but see, God's not satisfied when we're full. We serve a God of overflow. And here's what I want to have happen for you guys. These guys are so jacked up, I want you to receive. I want you to receive of their overflow. They have it to give. So I'm actually going to ask them to extend their hands towards you guys. And I want to pray over you guys that the anointing that's on, uh, on this team group these arrows that you see before you are going to get interjected into their family and they're going to make inroads into their family, join relationships together that they've never seen happen. Families are going to come together. These arrows are getting ready to go back into school this next semester and they're going to make inroads into their school like their school has never seen before. We're going to see salvations in schools like we've never seen before in Charleston. They're going to go back into their jobs over the summer and going to make it such a massive difference because they have so much overflow. But church, you're a part of this. You prayed the sin. You've given generously. And so now it's time for the teens to give back to you. I know you have challenges. So would you receive out of their overflow this morning? God has overflow for you. He wants to meet you exactly where you are. Lord Jesus, right now, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your amazing presence. Lord, we've had a moment this weekend that they have no doubt in their mind the power that you play in our life. How much you love us. How good you are to us. How much you want to richly bless us. How much you so desperately want to put people in our lives so that we don't have to be alone. We don't have to be isolated. When that 25th bear comes, they don't worry about it because they're in a group of people and do life together that they're so strong within this group. They're so strong, anchored in your word. They understand that they are pray-first culture. And Father, it's out of this overflow that I now give to the church. I give to Cathedral. I give to everybody online that's joining us. Father, whatever their challenges are that they're facing, 
Father, would you meet them exactly where they are? Would you bless them now? In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, guys, we're going to let you go. We didn't do this earlier, but I do want to say, if you're a regular attender of Cathedral and you're a regular tither, thank you. This is your opportunity right now to give. You can do that online. You can do it as you're walking out of the doors. But thank you from the bottom of our heart. Thank you for the investment. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for believing in us. I bless you. Go ahead and stand up. I bless you this week the overflow of forward in your life. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.